as we come to our time of worshiping, right in front of you the whole time. As we come to this time of worshiping through the Lord and through His Word, you know, I have one message planned, and it's going to be a variation, but uh, it isn't the same. I just didn't quite have all of that energy to put all that finishing touches. And, you know, I think it's uh, appropriate for me to say, Ron put a bit off and preached this morning, so if this isn't any good, blame me. You know, Ron, if you would have had a good one there. Uh, but he will be just, just playing on, going to be here, but playing on Ron preaching next week. Uh, with everything coming in. You know, I'm quickly making plan B, C throughout all this week in my own head. So if something odd comes out, that's probably what it is. But Ron will be preaching next week a, a, a sermon uh, that he really kind of put together, I think, yesterday, unless the Lord uh, shares something different. So you won't go, you know, without being fed well next week. And, uh, you know, with that. But, uh, you know, we're going to start a series probably, you know, somewhat today. And then going through making a memorial day about a concept that is, that is so very important but yet so hard to do biblically, and it is this idea of forgiveness. This idea of what is forgiveness, what is biblical forgiveness, and, and the understanding of we as God's people are called to forgive. I'm not sure exactly where the scripture is in the New Testament, but we are called to forgive as Christ Jesus forgave us. And it's a biblical mandate. It isn't a peripheral or a side issue. In fact, if you open up your, your, uh, you know, your Bibles or your uh, tablets, your phone, whatever you get it, and if you don't have our church app, you can get our church app and there's a Bible tab, it's really easy to get to whatever verse is there. You know, I use it quite often, um, and others. So, you know, yes, I still do a lot with a physical Bible, but sometimes we just need to, to have it right there. You know, and you can get a Bible app where regardless of where you are, your phone or your tablet, you always can have access to God's Word, which is, as the psalmist says, a light unto our path, because He is the light of the world, but as we come into this in Matthew chapter 18, verse you know uh, 20 or 35, we read here that Jesus says this: the story that he shared. This is how my heavenly Father will, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And the Lord's Prayer that I know just a, a few uh, short years ago, Pastor Paul kind of walked us as a church through. He says, forgive us, we pray, forgive us our sins, what? As we forgive those who sin against us, or depending on the translation uh, that one is used to. Or if you are like me, uh, and you might be a little bit, I, you know, I memorized it in one version, I read it in another version, and I just mix them all up together, and sometimes it's a lot of different versions, called the JS version, you know, with that, you know, where we, we learn and we see here this concept that Jesus taught again and again and again, forgiveness is key. 
When we celebrate communion, I like to read from uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew, you know, where, where Jesus said these words at the Last uh, Supper. He says, uh, he took the cup, uh, this is Matthew 26, 27, if you want to just find that or write it down for later. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is a key biblical theme. That's why we have a sacrificial system in the Old Testament. Because we will do wrong. But forgiveness is key because we are called to be in community with one another. We aren't called to live it alone. The words of uh, Genesis, where, where Adam, he names all the animals. And, and there's a, a, a really kind of odd word in there, a phrase in there, where he says, but there was no suitable helper or pair or companion for Adam to be found. He was all alone. Now, here's the beauty of we are all alone. We don't have to worry about forgiveness, really. We don't have to worry about relationships, really, because nothing's going to happen. Now, I would probably venture to say you're going to have to learn to forgive yourself, which is something we will talk about. But, but you don't have to worry about the hard work of forgiveness, because no one will bother you. No one will hurt you. You won't hurt anyone else. We were never meant to live that way. From all of Scripture. In fact, you know, what Jesus, God called not an individual. Yes, he started with an individual, an Abraham. But the promise wasn't just one person would be the blessing to the nations. He said, I'm going to make your descendants as, as, as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the shore. The next time you're at a beach, no, the next time you're at a beach, pick up sand. I want you to just start counting. No? You won't even do that for me? No. All right. All right. The next time it's night out and not cloudy, look up into the sky and start counting and see if you can get to a point where you can remember how many stars you can actually see. Or go on NASA's website and take a look at the uh, Hubble spacecraft or, or Telescope and the new one, I forget what it's called. James Webb. You know, and start counting. And see, what you, see, he was calling a community of people. And over and over in the book of Leviticus and throughout those first, you know, throughout Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the refrain that we need to hear there is this is so that people will know I am the Lord your God. I called you out of Egypt. So we live differently because of that. And we get it, and the idea of forgiveness is there. Forgiving of one another, not forgiving of us. But see, the Jews started to get this idea of, you know, what does, how much should we forget? So we read in our text this morning, Peter came to Jesus and asked, uh, Lord, how many times shall 
I hit my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, let's be honest. Peter has, an, Peter has a way of being obnoxious or kind of out there at times. This is not one of those times. <coughs> Peter grew up in a culture and a system where the most generous thought among the Jews at the time was you forgave someone three times. No more, maybe less. In fact, there was a school of thought that says you did it once, and if they did the same thing again, there was no forgiveness. So we see Peter actually is like doubling that, if we take it literal, which may have been part of it. But what he's saying is, how, how do I know when I have completely forgiven my brother or sister who sins against me? He, he, he's asking a legitimate question. But I think the other disciples are going, they're hearing the words that Jesus says. This passage is not stand alone, but it's talking about how to bring somebody back into the family of God, about going out and finding those who want off, about those who cause others to stumble about being like little children. As he's working his way up to the culmination where he would say, this is the cup of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Where he would also utter the words we looked at last week. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Peter is getting it. Because if you look at a lot of the healings that Jesus did, what did he kind of first do many times? He said, your sins are forgiven. And that's what's getting him in trouble. Was this idea that he can forgive sins. Because they knew only God could forgive sins. But yet here Jesus is saying, I too, I am God. I can forgive sins. Or the one story that comes up that I just, uh, you know, I'm reminded of this moment. Is when he says, what is easier? To say your sins are forgiven? Or to tell you, get up and walk? But to show you that I can do both, get up and walk. These physical healings were a reminder of the forgiveness that comes from God. So where do we start? Let's we look at you. Jesus answered him, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times, or some translation says seventy times seven. You want to know what the point is? Just do it. Because if we're really having to keep track. If Shannon George has to keep track how many times she has to forgive me every week, she's already gone past the 70. She's probably getting close if not past the 70 times 7. But Lord help her, she has to remember all those. Right? He's not, because if we're really going to keep track that long, we've missed the point. We've missed it. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've missed it if you're keeping track. Peter wasn't trying to be ungracious. Because he was really going above even the norm of the day. But we see here that forgiveness is tied to the character of the master, the king. Jesus tells a story, we won't spend a lot of time in the details, just really 
Uh, I'll focus mostly on 27, but I'm, let me get us there. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife, his children, and his whole family be sold to repay the debt. He would go to the debtor's prison. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The king had compassion on him. Or, as the word can mean, he was moved in his heart on his behalf. Cancel the debt and let him go. Thousand, ten thousand bags of gold. That's worth a lot. Some translations may, and in, in, in the version that I read, the NIV, it, it talks about, um, you know, it translates a hundred denarii which is used the usually daily wage or the daily uh, labor. You know, it does some translation, okay? But if we were to try to put that in today's standards, just so we understand, I don't think Jesus, Jesus wasn't necessarily trying to get specific, specific. He's, he's making a point with this. We're looking at over $10 billion. Okay? We're not talking about something any of us could Break of acts. And the fact that this, and, and, and so if you think of this, this would have been a ruling official per se. This would have been someone who had others, as we find out, was settled. He wanted to settle it. But just think about it. If you owed somebody 10 billion plus dollars, no one will ever do that. Okay? And you hear these words from the person who owes you, be patient with me. And I will pay everything back. Now, I might not be the brightest crayon in the box. I might be a, a darker shade. I'm no yellow. Okay? And I know this much. There is no way that's going to happen. I don't even have to think about that. Most reasonable people will put, yeah, right. Yet notice what the master does, what the king does. He has compassion. I know the NIV and maybe others say pity, and I think that's a that's a decent word. Pity can be looking at down on someone. Compassion is more than that. More than just looking down. It's it's, it, it's having a sense of this struggle someone is having and wanting to be moved to act. Did the king have to have compassion? No. Did the king have to get rid of all of the debt? No. Justice would demand full repayment. In fact, as some commentators would say, this whole idea of being thrown into prison wasn't just wasn't about repayments. That wasn't going to happen, but it was about punishment, justice, for the offense that was given. Yet, the master had compassion on him and canceled the debts 
and lets them go. At the heart of forgiveness is mercy. Mercy. Forgiveness is based on mercy. In the book of Exodus, we read that when Moses asked to see God's face, God only allowed his goodness and his mercy and grace to pass forth, but he still kind of shielded him from the cleft of the rock. You know, where the hymn writer picks up of his imagery, I believe. The mercy of God. Mercy is a tremendously important concept that we as God's people need to be reminded of. It is the heart of God's character. Now, he's not just all merciful. There is justice, there is discipline, there is grace, there is love, there is all those things we like to call there. But our world doesn't get mercy. Our world gets a sense of justice. And there needs to be a point of justice. You can't have mercy without justice, actually. Why, is the, why, does, why do we have this idea of an Old Testament sacrificial system? I will tell you, it's partially based on mercy. It's based on God's holiness, but we can't measure up. So God said, in my mercy, because of my character, I will let you know what it means to be forgiven by God. What does that look like? Not that an animal could take care of God's true justice and holiness. God's mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is, in a very simplified way, not getting what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve. It is not getting justice. When we extend mercy to someone else, we admit that they, they don't deserve what is going to happen. We don't just say, oh, it doesn't matter. The king isn't acting like this debt that you supposedly owe me does not matter. He says, I'm going to give you what you do not deserve. The act of mercy, you're going to just been lowering the debt maybe. I would have been pretty gracious. Is that an act of mercy? Could have been, I'll just put you in prison and leave your, your family away. No, that culture would not have happened. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. At the cross, the pathway of mercy is set up by the shedding of his blood. We do not get what we deserve, which is God's justice which is God's wrath because of his holiness and his perfection. Instead, we get Jesus. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Very similar to it is grace. When we talk a lot about grace, we talk a lot about mercy and the object. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Mercy on the cross is forgiveness can be provided for. Okay? We get forgiveness because of Jesus. The grace is the fact that he, he indwells us and empowers us with his spirit. Which is, if you read in, the, uh, in Corinthians, if you read in, in what we have, the idea is the grace of the spirit empowers 
These gifts are acts of God's grace. Mercy could be we could be forgiven. Grace is the idea that we are empowered by the Spirit to do what he calls us to do. They're really similar, I know. And we get confused in this at times, and even I'll admit. I, it's not as easy to split what is an act of grace, what is an act of mercy. Because they're really tied together. But mercy is the idea of your sins are forgiven. Grace, as it says, but now you are my child. Does that make sense a little bit? Mercy is forgiveness. Grace goes beyond forgiveness to what I would say is reconciliation. Where the relationship is brought together in such a way that it can continue on in the mercy, grace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. And I believe that this will help us in our path forward with forgiveness. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Though in God's eyes, they're tied together when he acts with us. But as I need to forgive one another, reconciliation may not be possible always. We can forgive. But as far as I can tell, nowhere are we told we have to reconcile with people who hurt us. But we are told to forgive those who hurt us. Reconciliation is a repairing of the relationship. Reconciliation is an act of God. Reconciliation is what God is also calling us to do, but it's a step beyond just forgiveness. I can forgive you but if you're not interested in reconciliation, I can't force that. But I can still forgive. I ought to forgive. It is the way of Christ to forgive. The master forgave, but I don't think that relationship was completely going to be repaired. In fact, we read it doesn't. Why? Well, because this guy who owned a lot go find somebody who owns very little. And instead of remembering the mercy that he was given. Instead of remembering that he did not get what he deserved, he made sure somebody else gets it. What they deserve, which was prison. You want to know the interesting thing about this? It wasn't the king who noticed this. I wonder though if the king, if Jesus was telling the story, and it was a literal story, if the king didn't have some idea here. I mean, Jesus is the master storyteller. But if we read here, as I start to wrap up, hopefully, is, you know, when other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told the king everything. It was the Bible. The witnesses of the events. We want to have an opportunity for evangelism, as we would say, or sharing Jesus with others as, as the days go on. And I think we need to learn to continue to grow in mercy because what will happen is people will want to notice. And two, they will also notice if we claim to be a believer in Jesus and we are not merciful. And they will look, well, what is this? You preach Jesus' mercy and grace all the time, but yet... You are not merciful and gracious. 
There's a time, it, it's not about not calling out sin. It's not about hiding behind it. It's not about acting like nothing is wrong. The king called it as it was, and every right to call it what it was, but still extended mercy and grace. There can only be mercy and grace because there's a standard. There's a standard of truth. If there is no standard, you don't need mercy and grace. Just kind of know that, that kind of option. But we as God's people need to remind us because we have been forgiven a lot. We have been given mercy. And so we too must show mercy. Hence why Jesus said, if this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Where does it start? It starts with a compassion for the same people that Jesus sees in. A reminder, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, said, once you were not a people, as he calls them, I'll back up a little bit, but now you are the people of God, to the church. Once you were not in the covenant relationship with God based on his mercy and grace, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You want to be merciful to someone else? Make sure you realize the mercy of Jesus. You want to be forgiving of someone else? Make sure you go to the well of forgiveness of Jesus. Because we're only going to give what we have with that. Before that, he said these words. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. People, community, one anotherness. That's why we mercy, grace, forgiveness this day. So I say with the Apostle Paul, he said these things, these words. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, which he could say we are, he is. Because we are the people of God. Amen? Amen? So God uses his people, just like he did in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. They fail, we fail, but we have mercy and grace. We, God is making his appeal through us as his people. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Receive his mercy and his grace today, tomorrow, and everywhere else. Has reconciled people can preach reconciliation. Merciful people can preach and live a life of mercy. People who have received grace can, can extend grace. So where are you? Have you been reconciled to Christ? Maybe for the first time. The, the mercy is there. He's that great king who will look at whatever debt you owe. It is insurmountable. And you may say, oh, I'll pay it back, I'll pay it back. See, he didn't, he didn't ask him to pay it back. That could have been justice, right? Justice would have been, okay, fine, I'll take your word, pay it back. He said, no, cancel. Go. Go in my mercy. Receiving, because 
The argument, I think, of Jesus here in the, in, in the early church would have been, can you really act unmerciful, unforgiving, if you understand the forgiveness and mercy that has been given to you? I said, no way. Be different than the world around us. Maybe we need to be reconciled to God for that first time. But you know what? God's mercy and grace is the one time. It goes again and again. Again. Yeah. We need again. We need his mercy again. We need his grace again. He'll get again. Again. Do you have somebody that you're just like, I don't know that I like them very well anymore? They've done me wrong. How, Lord, do I really have to love them again and again and again? Do I really have to? Be merciful and forgive again and again and again. And Jesus is going to say, look at me. And it ain't easy. And you know what's different in, between us and the world? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God in us. And so, no, we can't do this on our own. On the own, I, you know, you, you hurt me. I want revenge on my own. I might want it best served cold later on when you least expect it. But by the Spirit of God, I can say, no, I can forgive you. Not because you deserve but I don't deserve forgiveness. I will let my revenge go so that God can do what God wants to do, which is to declare his praises. As First Peter says, to declare the praises of him, God, who calls out of darkness into his light. And so, we can. The world can. But we can. And we'll learn the nuances of this. Doesn't mean no justice is ever served here on earth. Because in God's mercy, he fulfilled his justice in Christ. He didn't say sin didn't matter. He just says, this overcomes me. I just as have been served. And I would argue, as believers, not all of us will hear, well, done good and faithful servant. Paul makes it clear. Some of us will get in by the skin of our teeth, as we would say. Doesn't mean we always obey, but when we get mercy and grace, we get it. So I implore you, receive the mercies of God today. Because his mercies are new every single morning. And you need And how will you maybe get mercy this week? Relationship with one another. You cannot do it alone. Mercy. Uh, he doesn't like me letting this, but oh well, he can get me back next week. Mercy. Ron called me yesterday and said, I can preach tomorrow because you need it. He, I didn't deserve that. Grace, he's preaching next week. You no, know, I mean, it, but his, he, he did it. And, and I believe I told him on the phone, and not now I, I, I meant to tell you on the phone. What, what a comforting thing that I knew that I didn't have to if I didn't feel I could. Okay? That's what mercy does. That's what relationships do. Now all of a sudden you have a strength to do what you didn't think you could do. Because we're in this together, so don't go through this week alone. We've got Tuesday morning ladies, we've got a youth group tonight, 
you got Wednesday morning Bible study. We'll start, there's another small group starting up uh, whenever happening uh, event uh, gets that going. They don't know it yet, but there's a group this week. A new study, Sundays after church, once a month with these, to get together. Start your own group in your home. Just open up the Word of God. Because we weren't meant to do this alone. Connect with us online, if you may. Whatever it is, relationships will be where you get mercy and grace. So live in the mercy of the Lord this day. We pray with you, Father God, we thank you that your heart, your character is one not just of justice, but one of mercy and grace and love. Lord, I ask that you would just be with us this day, that you would help us to see you this day. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to give us the grace and mercy of the day that we need. Lord, that we wouldn't just wait for tomorrow. You know, we wouldn't worry about tomorrow, but the mercies of today are good enough for today. And your mercies tomorrow will be new then. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do that. I ask that you would continue to help us to be people of mercy and grace. For you have given us your spirit. We can do this. Then we will submit to you daily. And then the world will know how there's something different about these folks who call them Christ followers, who are part of the people of God, the church. Maybe I want to know more. And so, Lord, we pray that would be the case. Lord, I pray there's someone here that's listening to these words, that they would be reconciled to you today. They wouldn't put off for today is the day of salvation. Maybe the first time of salvation, they just need to submit themselves to you. They need to accept your grace and your mercy. They need to make a commitment to, to, to try to be different. For you alone are saved, not the words they may or may not say. But maybe for some of us, we've gone our own way. We need to come back. And so Lord, we thank you for this. That you call us to be reconciled to each and to every day. And so Lord, I ask that you can do that now. And I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen. I'm going to take a pastor prerogative today, if I may. A bar code of hymn uh, number 368. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to John, Jeff, 368. Uh, one, of the, one of another great hymns I remember growing up. Nothing against the old rugged cross, but I'll be honest, I, I, I changed this because I, I need to do this work again. Okay? So we'll get them up on the screen uh, here in just a minute. Uh, but uh, the great song, He Lives, I serve a risen Savior. And He lives. He lives. Salvation's working hard. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart because He walks with me and He talks with me along life's narrow 